Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, the regular season is underway, and the Canadians are making it interesting in a wild 6-5 game in Toronto. Arbor Jack, I fought dudes. Uri Slavkovsky did Uri Slavkovsky things. And what can they do to adjust for the home opener? All that and more inside today's show. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 931 of Locked On Canadians. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On, and make every moment more because right now new customers can get five can bet five dollars and get two hundred dollars in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. I am your master of ceremonies this evening. Of course, I am Scott Matla at Scott Matla on Twitter. And I want to thank you for making Lockdown Canadians your first listen of the day every single day of the week. We are available wherever you get your podcasts or if you are watching my very tired, worn out face from what was an incredible opening night contest in Toronto. You can watch on YouTube as well. We just crossed a big sur- or survivor subscriber threshold there. We cannot wait to show you what is coming up next, but the NHL regular season is officially underway for the Montreal Canadiens, and they made it interesting in the good way and the bad way. They fell 6-5 to the Toronto Maple Leafs in a shootout on opening night. They went up 2-0, looked like they were going to go up 3-0, offside call, save the Leafs that, Leafs storm back, take a 3-2 lead, Montreal storms back, takes a 5 Three lead, Montreal coughs up that lead. They go into overtime. They get a power play. They don't do anything with it. Mitch Marner is the only scorer in the shootout, and the Canadians fall 6-5. Wild contest from the opening start here, and I know a lot of people are going to want me to do the officiating rant, and I will say this. They just suck at their jobs. They they really, truly do. In that Arbor Jack guy got a fair 10-minute misconduct for instigating a fight, which is fine. But Mark Giordano can jump on a man who is already engaged in holding somebody back and not get anything on that play there. I watched Jake Evans get both hooked to the ground and then tripped on the same play and have nothing called. And I can't even say, oh, it's preseason for anybody. I just think the officials are bad at their jobs across the board. They're just not good at their jobs. There's not much you can say. Uh, about that. And I don't want to go too much into that because I had fun watching this game, despite my uh, internal rage at losing to the Toronto Maple Leafs, because that's who I am as a person. And you know, this by now it's, it was a game that is both so good because it shows the progress that the Canadians have been making in all facets coming into this season here. They came out of the gate hot. They put Toronto right back on their heels there. The goal that Uri Slavkovsky set up for Alex Newhook was so so good. And David Singh that we pointed out that it's all the improvements you want to see from Uri Slavkovsky. He's hustling from his end of the ice where he had broken up the play in the first place to start going the other way down the ice. He is not just following the puck. He is reading and scanning the space around him. Kirby Doc gets that puck in the zone. He passes it over to Slavkovsky and Slavkovsky scans. 
he fakes around a stick and then shovels a pass across the goal line for Alex Newhook to put into the net for his first goal as a Montreal Canadian. And it's exactly what you want to see out of that. And I know I'm going to talk more about that, him in that line later on, because they were one of the big highlights tonight, but improvements. And we saw the power play had its moments. It wasn't perfect by any means. They scored a goal on it, at least tonight, which is nice. They would have had two if it wasn't for, you know, offside calls, curse all of that. And it's, I really liked Alex Newhook tonight as well. Yes, Yulin gets a goal off a great effort from Rafael Harry Pinard to stick with the play, even with, I believe it was TJ Brody falling down or John Kligberg along the wall there. Jake Evans opened the scoring. Five goals in a game is usually enough to get you a win in almost any situation. The goaltending in this game was a regression from what they had at bits and pieces last year. I don't need Jake Allen to be a 920 goalie. I don't even need Jake Allen to be a 915 goalie. I need Jake Allen to be a 905 goalie. And tonight, uh, the first goal uh, from Noah Gregor that he let in is a disappointing thing that it, and Ian Barber pointed this out to me that David Savard didn't really close the gap there, but it's a low shot, barely off the ice. You should be able to get a pad on that. And it just goes by him far post and in. And that just seemed to turn the tide of the game because it came right after Caulfield's goal was overturned for offsides. And then the Matthews 5-4 goal is that he's just not up against the post. And at that point, it's like, what are we doing here? You gotta, you see, it's not hard to, it, it is hard to be an NHL goaltender. Let me pair, let me rephrase that a little bit is that it is hard to be an NHL goaltender. It's very hard. It's just, he's not on that post there. Matthews didn't roof it over him. He didn't fool him. It wasn't a weird pass, like over the net to the other side where he's not there. He just didn't have his skate and pad along the post there. And it snuck right in a spot along the ice that it shouldn't go in. Like that's a goal that you cannot let in. And that's kind of frustrating. The Canadians penalty kill when they were on their heels where Toronto scored three straight goals. They just didn't have an answer for Toronto with an extra man on the ice. And that was the story of this game is that Toronto won the special teams battle rightly or wrongly. If they were on those power plays, they still managed to, to win those battles. And that's the important part is you leverage what you can. The Canadians seemed to play better five on five in the first and third periods. The second period, they got punched in the mouth badly. Uh, not what you want in that. And it, it it's, it's not surprising. If I'm Toronto fans, I have concerns because Montreal, who was supposed to not be great this year, put up five goals on you and they broke a little bit of a sweat in there, but your five on five play didn't really wow anybody. All your goals came with an extra attacker there. And for the Canadians stay out of the box. We will talk about that later on in the show here too. It was just, it was all the things wrong with last year, ineffective special teams, veterans, sometimes just not doing what you need them to do. And that that's the hardest part is that they've got to overcome some of those things. The youth in this game looked phenomenal as expected. The youth looked great. Some of the veterans did not. Uh, and I, and the, the crystallizing moment for me here is at the end of the game, there's like a minute and a half left. The Canadians are nursing a one goal lead. Toronto has been all over them with the, with their goalie pulled Samsonov on the bench and the puck goes around. David Savard has a clear line to it and he gets it. And I think he's just going to hammer it around the boards and he pins it. And it's not like there's five seconds left or 10 seconds left. Just trying to kill off that short time. There is 90 seconds left on the clock, give or take. 
puck sits there, sits there, the Leafs dig it out. And then obviously pinballs around and the Leafs get the tying, the game tying goal in the final minute there and send it to overtime and obviously into the shootout where they win. And that's, that's one of those plays that's just frustrating. And then the Canadians third line, uh, Tanner Pearson, Sean Monaghan, Brendan Gallagher. Sean Monaghan is not the fastest man in the world, but compared to Tanner Pearson and Brendan Gallagher, he looked like Paul Byron out there. And I love Brendan Gallagher to death. He has been a loyal player for this team. He at his peak was a great piece to have in this lineup. And he just looked slow behind the pace. And that's worrying because Pearson will hopefully, I assume, be a flip at the deadline. Brendan Gallagher's got more years on his contract and looks like he just does not have the pace to keep up. Whether it's a conditioning thing or something else, it's he's a step behind where you need him to be. And especially a guy whose game is built off of energy and pressure and all these other things. I'm hoping that this is a shake it off. You know, they haven't really all played together in a game kind of experience there and against Toronto or against Toronto against Toronto, right? They probably, they were not great, but against Chicago on Saturday, I'm hoping that they bring a little bit more oomph to their game there. And we see some more from them. Speaking of oomph, are we going to give Arbor Jack guy his title belt anytime soon? Are we going to give Uri Slavkovsky his flowers? We're going to talk about what I liked the most out of this game and some other fun stuff coming up in our next segment. But first, today's show is, of course, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. And if you can snap into NFL action right now with FanDuel America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose on your $5 bet. All on an app that is safe, secure, and easy to use. You can bet the spread, player props, over-unders, and more. All you got to do is visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today and kick off the NFL season and more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL and us here at Locked On. And as always, we do remind you to please gamble responsibly whenever you are betting on sports. So I was kind of weighing how I wanted to go into this because it's I made fun of it before the game started is how many times is the broadcast going to cut to Ryan Reeves and Arbor Jack Eye every time there is some small little confrontation on the ice somewhere, whether they are involved in it or not. How many times are they going to cut to one or the other sitting on the bench and looking menacing? The answer is they didn't have to wait that long because everybody got their wish. Early in the first period, Ryan Reeves, after hitting Jesse Olinen late because he's slow and cannot catch anybody in the modern NHL, he hits Caden Gooley in the numbers from behind. Gooley looked fine. There was no penalty on the play likely because of that. And Arbor Jack, I saw that and didn't hesitate for a single second on that play. He comes around. He grabs Reeves. Reeves gets his gloves off. Jack, I gets his gloves off. Reeves misses the first punch and Jack, I just starts swinging, takes a couple punches when they're on the ground. He gets them up. They separate, and the minute Reeves stands a little bit upright, Jack I did the exact same thing that he did to Zach Cassian last year, and he just pounced him. He grabbed him, tossed him right over the net. He took the net over with him, gets him down, hits him a couple of times, breaks up the fight, heads to the box, and then Reeves just, you know, he's trying to chat. He's trying to, you know, do the crowd pump up thing. Dude, you just got your butt kicked by Arbor Jack I. Give the man his title belt. 
because that's how title fights work. If you were the heavyweight champion of this fictional, let's call it an MMA boxing league, whatever we want in the NHL, that would not have been a fight that anybody scored for you, except for some very insane people in my mentions. Jack, I went straight for the toughest dude in the league, depending on who you ask, and just went for it. He did it against Zach Cassian last year, and Zach Cassian is, you know, even as an older player there and a guy who maybe not isn't great at hockey anymore, still can chuck him. Ask Matthew Kachuk, and Arbor Jack, I just does not care. And then there was a point later on in the game when Jack, I finally got out of the box because he got a 10 minute misconduct for instigating, which also, you know, fair, understandable. I still don't love that they didn't call other things, but that's that's done and in the past here. And Jack Eye, Reeve is skating the puck out towards center ice, and Jack Eye meets him there. And Reeve sees Jack Eye coming up the wall a little bit there, coming towards him. And he stops a good five, six feet short of that center ice line, hucks the puck down there. Jack Eye gives him a push back. Reeve starts jawing at him the whole way there. It is an icing call. That is the Leafs' fourth line, then stuck out there after a very long shift. All because Jack Ice has no fear and stepped up to him, forced him to make an error on the play. I'm not a big proponent of fighting in hockey and unnecessary hits and all that other stuff. But there comes a point that when you make a player think twice before coming towards you, even a guy like Ryan Reeves, and you are forcing them into making errors, you have added a wrinkle to your game that you cannot teach a lot of the time there. And then later on in the game, Jack Ice gets the puck at the point, works it over a little bit, finds a lane which is a very big thing. Andrew Berkshire pointed this out on Twitter is that he's not firing it indiscriminately into shin pads. He finds a lane, fires a puck about, you know, sternum high towards the net there. Alex Newhook gets a stick on it, beats Ilya Samsonov there. It is then suddenly a 4-3 game for the Montreal Canadiens. Love that from Jack Eye. Give the man his title belt. Give the man his title belt. This will not be the last time this fight happens this year. I almost guarantee it. You know that the next time the Habs and Leafs play that Reeves is going to be looking for it. They're going to build it up so much just because of this. But as of right now, it is Jack I one Reeves zero. And those that's just, that's just basic Steiner math for everybody there. Also in this game that I loved doc new hook Slavkovsky phenomenal. Love it. Alex Tuhook had himself a night with two goals in his Canadians regular season debut. Kirby Doc is just a penalty drawing machine. And Uri Slavkovsky looked great. That is a line. That is the line. Keep it together. Keep that line together right now. I have other thoughts on what I would like to see in this game here. I would like to see maybe Rafael Harvey Pinard move up with Caulfield and Suzuki for the next game. Work a little bit more in the psycho game. Be that guy in front of the net. Create space. Josh Anderson can't create space as much because it neutralizes his best weapon, which is him being a fast shooter on uh, the breakout. And unfortunately for the Canadians, their third line is not fast enough to really operate a speedy breakout. And you're not going to put Josh Anderson on your fourth line because that is a waste of, you know, Josh Anderson's talents there to play eight minutes a night. And no one would accept that. He also didn't get his goal against Toronto, which makes me deeply, deeply sad. I apologize for that. I probably jinxed him because I'm wearing, you know, the reverse retro and everything else here. So it that second line, though, is phenomenal. And I'm really interested to see what they can do against the Chicago team, which is not going to be rolling out a Matthews, a Tavares, a Nylander, a Marner, etc. to combat that. 
Yeah, Connor Bedard is very good. Taylor Hall is apparently injured tonight. Corey Perry is sneaky. Nick Felino is mad at Corey Perry because of something Ben Sherrod allegedly did. It doesn't matter. It's I want to see that line do more because I thought Slavkovsky was so good on that group there. New Doc City is where it was at tonight. Alex Newhook looked fantastic. And yes, minuscule sample size, literally the smallest you can get in the regular season at this point. But I loved what I saw from that line tonight. Uh, Mike Matheson played a lot. He did not look like the Mike Matheson from last year, but he is also coming off of not playing at all in the preseason because he was nursing a small injury. They were taking their time with him. He was up to through 17 minutes after through two periods. I believe Arvin Basu tweeted there. That's a lot. That is a lot. Uh, Caden Gooley looked good. Arbor Jack. I look good. The only, the only pairing that I have a real issue with in this game tonight was Matheson and Savard. And I like, Mike Matheson, and I've said it again and again, too much David Savard for a game like this. I think he'd be great on a second pairing, secondary role or third pairing role, but the young guys can't cover for him the way that Matheson does. And I'm wondering if Matheson just kind of stepped up and tried to do a little bit too much in this game. Uh, I want to know who was your standout in this game here? Uh, Caulfield could have had two, three goals in this game. He did have two goals. One of them got taken away because offsides is stupid and dumb, but he got one back. So that's, what's important. Uh, Suzuki was quiet, but I thought he played decently. That second line, though, is the standout for me. Doc Newhook Slavkovsky is where it is at right now. They do play Chicago on Saturday. I'm going to be very curious to see what adjustments they make going into that. And they do need to make adjustments. That is the biggest thing. It is the home opener. You're coming off a game where you lit up the scoreboard. Can you do that against another team that is in a rebuild? Team you you know outplayed heavily last year. We're going to find out what adjustments I think the Canadians need to make what little tweaks they can do to come away with a win on Saturday and all that's coming up next. But first, let me tell you about the sleeper app. The NHL season is finally here for the Montreal Canadians. We know they just played a wild game on, on Wednesday night. We love that they are back. And I want to tell you about the sleeper app because the sleeper app is the official daily fantasy app of the lockdown NHL network. And it is my go-to for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with sleeper you can win 100 times your cash on daily fantasy you know you you did you bet on josh anderson in this game did you put him in your fantasy lineup going into this game because he always scores against the Leafs? did you think that cole caulfield was going to do cole caulfield things guess what if you were putting them in your lineup on sleeper you could come away with a hundred times money on that and you can do more than just bet talk about play fantasy hockey the nfl nba mlb college football are all on sleeper and with so many exciting names on the nhl you know mcdavid ovechkin crosby mccarr etc it is the best time to get into using sleeper and that's a hundred times payout on sleeper so start paying attention get your picks right and you could win big use promo code locked on nhl and you'll get up to a hundred dollar match on your first deposit Terms and conditions apply. That's locked on NHL. See sleepers terms of use for details. We are back here at locked on Canadians. And I was so amped up coming into this show. I was texting, you know, our good friends from locked on blue jackets about this game because they are also watching it in the U S this uh, today here. And I said, it was going to be an all timer and that I we were this close, that the Canadians had pulled this game out, I would be yelling in a way that would be waking up the dog on the couch to my left. 
my girlfriend upstairs, the kitten that is sleeping in the shower, the cat that is sleeping on the end of the bed, the neighbors, the other neighbors, the neighbors, the other people down the street, the people at Oshai Children's Hospital, everybody would hear me yelling about the Montreal Canadiens tonight. I have toned it down a little bit as reality has said in that the Canadians did lose. But the good news is we do not have to wait long for them to be back on the ice. Unfortunately, they are not playing Thursday or Friday because uh, the Rocket are opening on Friday at Place Bell, which, you know, go check out second line forward Yoel Armia with the Lavelle Rocket. And I am, of course, kidding. There is plenty more in on that team to watch. They are playing Friday and Saturday at Place Bell. But the Canadians' home opener is Saturday against the Chicago Blackhawks. And I have wonderful news. Connor Bedard scored his first NHL goal against the Boston Bruins on Wednesday. Yay! You want to know why I am cheering that and cheering for Chicago in one instance? Because it means he's not going to score his first NHL goal on the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday night like every other player in this league does. And now that we've gotten that out of the way, I want to talk about what the Canadiens' adjustments need to be for this game. And the biggest one is Samuel Montembeau is your starter. He is your starter until you know he proves otherwise. God bless Jake Allen and all the piss and vinegar in his pants, as he said last year. Wasn't what they needed. He was great in overtime against the Leafs. He made a bunch of big saves to even get him to the shootout, which all credit to him on that. Fantastic. Can't allow five goals in regulation, admittedly there. Montembeau's your starter. And then just stay out of the damn box because the minute they get tired, they take penalties, and the penalty kill is tired because most of their good penalty killers are guys who got trapped out on the ice because of poor what it's the vicious Ouroboros cycle here stay out of the box you are a deeper better team than the Chicago Blackhawks yes the Canadians are probably going to be one of the worst teams in the NHL this year bottom 10 guaranteed you are miles ahead of where the Chicago Blackhawks are right now Connor Bedard is a budding star absolutely true who else is on that roster that scares you? And, and if you were sitting in silence going, well, what about Corey Perry and Nick Foligno? Uh, we don't know the status of Taylor Hall right now, but I look at that Chicago lineup and I go, you stick veterans or whomever on Bedard and you smother that line and you let everybody else goes nu go nuts. That Harvey Pinard Evans fourth line, let them cook in that game there. You got Doc... You got New Doc City, let them cook out there. Even Monaghan, Pearson, and Gallagher should be able to set up and run the veteran cycle there on you know that third line against whatever Chicago is throwing out there. And on defense, just be smarter with the puck. The biggest thing in this game is that if you got to clear it, clear it. Don't try and get fancy. Don't you know pin it against the boards, defending a lead with a minute and a half left. I'd like to see them tweak the pairings a little bit. I'd like to move Savard down. I think we'll see Justin Barron in the lineup, whether that's rightly or wrongly. I haven't had a chance to check natural stat trick for all the, you know, the fancy stats and numbers and everything in this game here. But I think Justin Barron will get into this game here, which is entirely fair. I think that his style of play would not be a bad thing in this. I don't know what pairing they would put him on. I might stick him with Jonathan Kovacevic and I would play, I would they won't do this because it is the home opener, but I would have scratched David Savard, play Matheson Gooley, Kovacevic or Harris with Baron, and then you have Jack Eye and whomever, uh, either Kovacevic or whoever isn't on that pairing with Justin Barron. They won't do that though. And I don't think they're going to run 11-7 because there's no reason to handicap your offense like that. 
I want to see a little bit more out of that third line. I thought Sean Monahan looked fine tonight. I think he's a crafty player. I think he's a smart player. His scoring touch is not what it used to be, but I want to see more from Brendan Gallagher. And I know Brendan Gallagher has more to give. And I know that this has to be frustrating for him. I absolutely get that. I don't have super high expectations for Tanner Pearson. My thought is, you know, if he gets a handful of goals and some assists and you flip them at the deadline for like a third or a fourth round pick. Great. Everybody's happy. I want to see more out of that line though, because I think they have the savvy to be a crafty line together. And we've seen it uh, in the playoffs when there was Eric Stahl and Yoel Armia, et cetera, guys who are, and Corey Perry, who are not always the fastest and, you know, the quickest guys anymore, but you know, have it up here still. They have the ability to score goals. Tanner Pearson, you know, I believe scored 20 plus goals in, LA, Sean Monahan's done that. Brendan Gallagher's done that. They all don't need to be scoring 20 plus goals, but there's, you know, 10 goals in each of them, I would think this year across the board. And that's what I want. I want to see them adjust that a little bit. And then on the power play, find another option besides Caulfield. I, I we all know Cole Caulfield can score goals at will. We we have known that from the minute they drafted him, that he can score from anywhere on the ice. Making him your only focal point on the power play is no different than Shea Weber being black back on the blue line. And if you were always going to go to him, any team will just go, we're just going to shade. Apparently the only person in the NHL that doesn't get game plan for this is Alexander Ovechkin for some godforsaken reason, but they're going to shade guys towards him. They're always going to be cheating for the pass and the one timer there. Make them think about it. Operate from behind the goal line instead of operating on the way in where it's Nick Suzuki walking it in, cycling it back or walking in and then trying to go cross seam. It's not mystifying anybody anymore. And sometimes you get guys caught unaware if you get them on, you know, scrambling, you're coming in with pace and you get coffee in that spot there. But just tweak it a little bit, be a little bit more fluid and not as static. Caulfield looked great moving the puck and skating around. He has the ability to move himself around the offensive zone very well, protecting the puck and making things happen. He knows how to read plays and knows how to get pucks where they need to be. It's can the rest of that keep up with him there? Uh, I'm interested to see what power play two looks like a little bit. I know Jack, I was on there. Uh, New hook and doc is probably a fun addition. I might like to see Jesse Olin and a Raphael Harvey Pinard in there too. Basically just, I don't have much to criticize. It's mostly defensive stuff. You can't let a guy like Austin Matthews score three goals. Obviously you don't win games that way. If they can tighten up some of the defensive, you know, lapses and stay out of the box. I think the Montreal Canadians can easily come away with a win on Saturday. And I'm expecting them to come away with a win on Saturday. Uh, That however, is going to wrap up the end of the show here for me. Uh, thank you so much for bearing with me. I am obviously solo hosting that my co-host will be back tomorrow. It is the mailbag episode. So please tweet us at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter or X or whatever locked on Canadians at gmail.com. If you've got longer questions, we always want to hear from you in going into the mailbag here. Laura will have all that taken care of. I will be back. Uh, for obviously the Monday episode that will be coming out after the weekend is over three up and three down. We'll be back. We'll have your Chicago recap and everything else going on until then. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, we will see you all next time. <laughs>